welcome to Couple of Idiots, your daily episode-by-episode podcast covering the television show Supernatural. I'm your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is Penny. Penny! And the dogs. How are you doing today? Good. How about you? Good, good. I mean, this weather couldn't get any better. True. I think we talk about the weather a lot on this (laughs) podcast. Keeping everyone up to date on uh, Wisconsin from probably three years ago from when you're listening to this. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so the episode today, Hookman. Now, let's just get this out of their way right now. One of our favorite gags from SpongeBob is the hooks. <laughs> Mr. Krabs, we should have we should have watched that too and did a review. <laughs> let's do that. Well, well, maybe we'll add that on to this or a bonus episode. <laughs> I don't know. I'll think about it. I think that'd be fun bonus content. Um, Mr. Krabs warns um, Patrick and SpongeBob, don't go near the hooks. The hooks, boys. The hooks. They'll drag you up and away. But yes. of course, Pat- SpongeBob and Patrick, being smarter than everyone else, they the, don't listen. Well, they well, did listen. Mr. Krabs didn't say you couldn't ride on him like a pony. True that. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know why, but that cracks me up so hard from SpongeBob. All right, but we're not talking about SpongeBob. We're talking about Sam and Dean and Supernatural. So Hookman starts off with two girls. Looks like a sleepover. Uh, we qu- quickly learn, though, that they are um, sorority sisters. So it's in their sorority house. Trying on some clothes, sexy little top. Uh, then the Lori, uh, she's out on a date and with a boy, and this boy goes and parks under a train trestle for see if we can have a little kissy session. And uh, pretty soon, though, they start hearing creaks, scrapes. We can see that signs are getting scraped up. It looks very scary. I mean, he like, he, I can tell in some of those signs, did he just scratch it or did he like rip the signs? I think he uh, ripped through the, well, not all the way through the signs, but he scratched it very deep. How does that sound? Yeah, there was some <laughs> major very deep damage, scratches. More than anyone with an actual hook in their hand could do. And we also see him at this. It's not like we just see an invisible scratch appear. It's just we see him doing this damage to the signs. Yeah, so it's some guy in like a hat and a trench coat thing. Kind of looks like The Undertaker a little bit. And he eventually goes around and starts scratching up the car and fucks up the car pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the boyfriend, what was his name? Robbie? Rich. Rich. He gets out uh, to investigate, but he's no longer answering uh, Lori is inside super scared eventually runs out of the car turns around and sees rich hanging yeah rich is hanging upside down all bloody um let me uh add some more stuff um yeah he gets uh, all bloody um what i don't understand is like if i'm in a situation where i'm out in the middle of nowhere and i get scared of course, I'm usually not out in the middle of nowhere, but I am not going to get out of my vehicle. I'm going to get the heck out of there. So that's what I don't understand is like he gets out of the vehicle and she had a cell phone with her because at one point her father called and she ignored the call. She could have stayed in the vehicle and called 911, 
but she didn't. She risks getting herself attacked, too, and gets out of the vehicle. There, I'm done with that rant. Okay, very well. <laughs> uh, commercial. So, uh, you know, the Limu Emu and Bobber driving around. There's some other funny commercials that are endless nowadays. I don't, I don't know. Mesothelioma. <laughs> yeah, those, that's really funny. Oh, if you use Johnson Wax or Johnson Wax, Johnson and Johnson's baby powder, you may be entitled <laughs> for a cash settlement. Uh, I don't have the information on where to collect that or anything. Just watch a commercial. Come back from commercial, and right away, Sam orders about the girliest drink that you could order at a coffee shop. Half-calf double vanilla latte. He's a man of culture. What can Come I say? Come on. You're drinking <laughs> a, a hot coffee in the morning. You're paying for it anyways. Why don't you... Why would you... Half-calf. What? He's worried about his nerves? <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, understand He does that. have to put it with Dean all day, so maybe he is. <laughs> the half-calf I thought was very weird. Uh, they, he could have just said double vanilla latte, half-whip hot. You know, any other order, but the half-calf really just caps it as that's a weird order from a guy. Uh, so they sit down over coffees and... They discuss a possible case that they found, and Dean reminds Sam that, hey, Dad would go check it out, so off they go. Yeah, because Sam didn't, he didn't think it was really um, something for them to look into, because Dean read the story online, and even though it said that the girl, the survivor, didn't see the assailant, um, Sam, for some reason, didn't think it was there. So that's when Dean said, hey, Dad would check it out, so yeah, they go check it out. Well, they have an endless gas tank, too. This is the other superpower of this car. The gas tank, always full. No, you see him stop and fill up once in a while. Okay, I'll have to keep an eye on that. I've yet to see him use a gas station. Oh, my gosh. This episode, they didn't, but yes, they usually, yes. Okay, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, so they pull into Fret House of where Rich vanished from. They oh. go inside and they meet Murph, who's painting himself all purple because it's the big game today. We're going to get that back to that in just a second here. So they pretend to be uh, his, their new roommates and they get some information about the murder. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me look at my notes. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And Murph tells them that, you know, this Lori was really hot and... And uh, she was a reverend's daughter and things like that. So um, that made her extra enticing because, you know, it's kind of like forbidden that you'd go out with the reverend's daughter and try to get away with something. So then they go into the church where they're, she is and her dad is holding a sermon. So it's Sunday. Let me tell you, college campus, Sunday is not the day of the big game. It's Saturday. Well, I did not assume it was Sunday because I assumed it was the guy's funeral because that's what he was talking about when you first go in. Except when they are leaving the church, uh, the roommate, Lori's roommate, wants to have dinner with them. And then she says, you know, my dad always cooks dinner on Sunday nights. Oh, that's right. It was a Sunday. Hmm, Dan is so smart. <laughs> yeah. Who's watching the show now? <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so chose it Sunday. This college is playing their big game on Sunday. I don't know. Maybe it's lacrosse or some other sport that they have their big game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, just too. College football usually is on a Saturday. Lori uh, introduces um, Sam and Dean to the dad because they kind of catch up with Lori. And uh, Sam and Dean ask Lori then about the murders as well. And do they get much information from her on that? It didn't seem like it. Well, they did because um, she said that she never saw the attacker and then the, you know, the scraped marks along the car and the punctured tires and things like that. So after those descriptions, um, they, Sam and Dean have a pretty good idea that this is probably the hook man of legend. Yeah, so they head to the library because they want to know if there's any arrest records to kind of fit some sort of spirit to see what in this town would draw the hook man to it. Pretty interesting story, though. They found a, I forget what year this was. 1862. But there was a preacher who got upset and went crazy and killed a bunch of prostitutes in town. Yeah, he killed... 13 hookers in the red light district because of their immorality. Well, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. No. Um, but that preacher had lost a hand, and he was, it was replaced with a silver hook. And that's what he used to commit the murders. I would have to think, I don't know, maybe hooks were meant to be decorative and be made of nice metals. I would assume it would have just been iron. I yeah. I don't think it. Well, it still do some pretty good damage, even if it was wasn't really sharp, even if it was blunt. Well, um, maybe a preacher. They gave him a fancy hook or something. <laughs> Could be, because you never know. Might have to hook them demons and get them out. <laughs> so while they're at the library, then it flashes back to Lori, and she's fighting with her dad because her dad is so worried about her at college with all the drinking and the partying. Of course, this girl has shown nothing other than, like, upstanding morals. She, even her roommate was kind of picking on her for how modestly she was dressed at the very beginning. Yes. So, this dad is really kind of bonkers and seems, it's a little bit of a silly character because she's not doing anything that would show otherwise. Well, he's just an overprotective and a, he's a reverend. He's like, I know what goes on in those sorority houses pretty much. And just like, oh, dad. Well... Do they ever give her... She just says that she's over 18. Do they ever give her age? No, but when they first talked to Murph, he said she was a college freshman, so I assume she's 18 or 19. Whatever. Yeah, that's about the age for a college freshman. Yep, freshman. Now here brings up the other point, too. Most colleges, you have to be in the dorms your freshman year. They don't let you live off campus your first year. So that's odd. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. School's got problems all the way around. It's Iowa. What can you say? I never went to college, so I don't know these rules, whereas Dan did go to college, and he knows these things. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, Unless there's, like, really strong circumstances otherwise, they want you to live in the dormitories your first year. It's to help you get acquainted, to help you break away from all your old-timey people and get you, you know, into a... Uh, it's meant so that then you'll have a friend support structure around you. Right. That you aren't just sitting alone and depressed and scared and using up college's resources to complain about that stuff when you should just have some nice local friends. And and another thing is she was local. I mean, she went between her, her father's house and this college. So I don't even know why she spent the money either living in a dorm or a sorority. Why she didn't just stay at home 
um, she probably wanted to get away from her father. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, this all works out a lot better if she was a sophomore. Yeah. Being a freshman in the storyline doesn't make too much sense. Uh, okay, so Sam and Dean then. Uh, we see Lori. She goes inside her house after complaint, or inside of her sorority house after fighting with her dad. Sam and Dean go and check out the crime scene in the middle of the night, you know, as you do. Um, what crime scene? Oh, yeah, the crime scene for the boyfriend. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, because they were hoping to see Hookman, and he probably comes out at night, so that's what I think they were thinking. So, there's a little bit, Dean's a little, or Sam's a little bit concerned about how they're going to protect themselves. Well, Dean came with uh, shotguns filled with rock salt, and we find out here, this is when Supernatural tells us that salt is a spirit deterrent. So, we get a rule in the universe. And I have read up on this, um, and what I've read about salt is, because you salt and burn the bones, the salt adheres the spirit to the earth, so it can't leave the area while you're trying to burn the bones. That was the reason for the salt. And it's apparently, if you shoot it at them in buckshot, instead of buckshot, it makes them disappear for a few minutes. Yeah, so while they're there with their salt guns out, the cops bust them. Uh, drops them onto the ground. You know, it looks like they're going to get arrested. Lori goes to bed, and they show that there's a man behind Lori's door. Yeah, well, first she saw scratch scrape marks along the wall. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, and she kind of looked at him like, oh. and But, yeah, she checked her roommate was sleeping, so she goes to bed. Lori wakes up, and her roommate's dead. Yeah, and there is a message written on the wall uh let's see if i can find it it says aren't you glad you did not turn on the light and there is kind of a scratch in the wall and then written in blood and um you kind of had a symbol drawn underneath that yeah the boys get out of jail uh sam's pretty shocked but dean he was able to charm over the sheriff and explain that the whole thing was just a hazing and uh, just sorority brother stuff, and they'll stay out of trouble from here on out. So they ended up with just a ticket. Uh, you mean fraternity brothers, not sorority brothers? That's what I meant. Yeah. So, yeah, they got out of that just a ticket. So, um, so and while they're explaining that, though, the cops, cops then all jump in their cars and haul ass away. So naturally, Sam and Dean follow. And uh, they pull past the house. They see Lori, so sh they know that she's involved again. Uh, but the preacher then takes Lori home. The cops really want to arrest her because now she's been involved in two murders. But uh, the preacher's able to take Lori home. And so the boys go and sneak into the sorority to try to find some more details. Yeah, they sneak into the room, um, and that's when they discover that thing scratch that's excuse me, I'm not able to talk today, Ta scrawled on the wall of, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Um, and they're kind of, oh, this is definitely Hookman, or definitely this preacher that they first discovered about in 1862. There's a strong smell of ozone, which I guess is a clue that there's been spirits around. Mm -hmm. And then they also notice that symbol as well. And that symbol was the same symbol that was on the hook of the previous preacher back in the day that killed the uh, 
hookers, so they know that he's the evil spirit doing this. Right. Uh, then they go to the back to the fraternity house, and inside there's a bit of a party going on. Let me just tell you, that is one of the most authentic depictions of what a house, a typical weekend house party at a frat house looks like. That's good. Yeah, that's pretty much just kind of people standing around, music. It isn't, you know, a live band and everyone jammed in a shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> right, like right. <laughs> um, Even though that was a special game that weekend. I don't know, this was probably a different weekend. I don't know. Anyway. The big game was the night before. So. Right. So, yeah, this is like a Monday night, too. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Whatever. Um, they figure out that the reverend is tied to to it because they feel like hey this uh, you know both of these times they feel that Lori was being protected the first time by a creepy boyfriend the second time by a roommate that was trying to get her to dress immorally so they feel like maybe the reverend's got some evil intentions or some ill will and somehow the spirit's tied to him yeah somehow he's able to summon the spirit and do all this punishing for him So, um, let me see. They decide then that um, he's going to, Sam is going to look over Lori, watch over Lori. Well, Dean goes to try and find, even though it's an unmarked grave, try to find the grave of this minister, priest, so that he can salt and burn the bones. And Lori happens to see Sam sitting outside and goes out and talks to him. What? Did I confuse you? No, you didn't confuse me. You just, you skip over so much stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you go ahead then. Because I don't take notes on every single thing. So, yeah, Dean goes to find the grave, finds the grave with the symbol and begins to dig. Sam is mulling around outside of the preacher's house and sees the girl fighting with her uh, dad. That's right. And I did. then she comes out. Um. You know, is a little creeped out, um, but they start to talk. Lori feels like she's cursed. Sam reveals that he feels the same way because they're seemingly good people, but people around them keep dying. Right. Dean opens up the grave and salts and burns the bones. And Lori is still talking to Sam. And we learn some more information. The preacher is not a good guy. Right. The reason they were arguing is because she just found out that he was seeing a married woman that goes to his church and how immoral that was. Yeah. So Sam starts to kiss Lori, but then they stop and because then the dad comes out and busts them. Yeah. He he's, wants to like he's yelling from the door. Yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, the hook man comes behind him and sticks a hook right in his chest and drags him back inside. Yep. And so, uh, I forgot what happened. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't write any notes on this part. Take it away, babe. Sam starts firing the salt gun. Uh, they chase it into the house. Yes. And so they get them away. They're back at the hospital then uh, with because there's been an attack. 
of some sort. The cops, though, point out, and they're really sick of seeing these boys around. Like, <laughs> what are you guys always doing around? Yeah, because, you know, he told Sam, because Sam Dean at this time did see the hook man, so they described who they saw, and the cops are like, oh, okay, but yeah, kind of suspicious because Sam is always there and Dean is always there. Now, Sam and Dean, though, do discuss. They believe that the hookman spirit is, atta- is actually attached to Lori in protecting her because it wouldn't be the Reverend wouldn't have the hookman attack himself. Right, right. Um, and so Dean burned all of the bones in the. Uh, also, you know, there's a bit of a bickering there because Sam didn't think that Dean burned the bones. Because there was an attack, but he in fact did. So then they realize, oh, we didn't, we didn't have the hook. Yeah, they're trying to think about what else could be causing the spirit to come around or still be around when the um, bones are burned. But yep, the hook, because it was part of him in a way. So he attached himself to the hook. They uh, go to the library and look up to see where uh, this person, when they were. Uh, executed where their belongings went all the belongings were are given back to their church the very same church that Lori's dad now is a minister at because it's so, the same church that this original minister reverend was a minister at yep and so they figure the hook is in the church somewhere or turned into something and uh they go break into the church and begin to start burning up a all the silver. Yeah, they grab anything silver they can find and throw it in the incinerator in the church's basement. While and they're doing that, then there's a creepy noise upstairs. They go upstairs and Lori's there, crying. Because yeah. she feels that there's an avenging angel attached to her now that's doing this. Yeah, so she's up there praying for forgiveness. And Sam tries to tell her that, you know, no, this has got nothing to do with an avenging angel. This is not your fault. Yeah, while he's trying to comfort her, though, the uh, all the candles get blown out and the hookman attacks. And it's a big old fighting scene of dragging people around, getting punched in the face. <laughs> Dean comes up from the basement with his salt gun, gives him a couple of blasts. They realize then, um, you know, some more fighting over, <laughs> did we grab all the silver? And they look around, Lori's got a... Uh, crucifix around her neck she asks where he got it from well it came it's a memoir it's a memento from church and heirloom dad gave it to her why the father is just giving away the church's possessions i don't know i don't know either so they figure out well this must have been reforged from part of the hook they take it downstairs toss it in and it melts just about as quick as a solder i mean Silver doesn't just melt down in a little wood fire, does it? Well, there were pretty hot coals in there, so I don't know. Yeah, I would think not. I would think silver would be a little more durable. But they basically throw it in there and it instantly melts down. And we see the hook man then melt down and, and turn on fire and vanish in front of him. And commercial break. Yes. That's the end of the big fight. Now, can I tell... Oh, do you want to finish the the episode before I say what problems I have with this? Yeah. Okay. Well, then it's just the wrap-up. The next morning, they're talking to the cops. 
The cops look at him and like, you and your brother. And before he even finishes, though, Dean's like, don't worry, my brother and I are leaving town. And that <laughs> cop looks really relieved. <laughs> yeah, because all this strange stuff happens and these two show up. So Dean's driving. Sam jumps in the passenger seat. He's got a hurt arm and just a super pissed look on his face and drives away. And we just see Lori in the background. Um what I take that as, I mean, we maybe this is one of the things you're upset with, but Sam is, realizes that he's injured because that girl didn't want his advances. Is that why he's all salty at the end? He's like, she didn't like me. No. That's how I took that entire sequence. No, I didn't I didn't think he looked pissed at all. Because he was talking to her by the ambulance before he went to the car where Dean was sitting there waiting for him. So I didn't think he looked upset at all. Oh, I thought he looked like a kicked puppy and was... Well, me, me, I think he did like her and probably felt bad that... I don't know. But I don't think he got hurt because of, of having feelings for her. He got hurt defending her because I think she was finally attacked by Hookman because she felt guilty because she blamed herself for all these other people getting killed. Thinking they were immoral and that's why the Hookman got them. All right. So that's the end of the episode. Then they just drive off. Um, what are well? First of all, let's talk about the Hookman legend. I had always heard the story. It's like two teenagers drive up to Inspiration Point. They start making out. They hear some scratching. They get scared. They drive home, and then when they get out of the car, there's just a bloody hook hanging on the rear door, as if like. There was a hook man outside, and then he got caught, and then just couldn't run fast enough, and it just got dragged to death. <laughs> I was always like, that's kind of a sad story, man. What if you're, you know, I, in my head, too, it's like a picture of the Gordon's Fisherman or something. <laughs> oh, it's just like, he's like, oh, he just like an accident. And he's, you know, yelling, pull over, stop, help. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, I would think that if that were to happen, um, actually the hook disengaged from the man's arm and you didn't have to worry about him being drug or anything. Yeah, do do uh, hooks attached to people's hand have a little rip cord? You know, pull this in case of danger. <laughs> you never know. So my issue with it is the fact that the hook was already melted and reformed into the cross so I don't see why the original melting of it didn't take care of the spirit. Is I don't know if it's because it was then reforged into something, so part of it survived. That's one thing I had. No, a you're right, and it's not like silver burns; it just melted when they threw all that silver into the furnace. If right. it all melted in the fire, well, then there's still just a big lump of silver in the fireplace. Right, but uh, fire is uh, supposed to be a cleansing, so that's what gets the spirit to move on. Okay, so maybe when they first melted it, then they didn't ha- didn't have fire; they just kept it in a nice little, you know, crucible, melted it. That's entirely possible. And then it never did touch fire, so that could be it. That could be it. That was your big problem with this. Well, that and you know the fact that the you know opening scene, she's got a friggin' cell phone on her. Why not call nine one one? Why get out of the? I just, of course, you have to get out of the vehicle, so you have the victim. I understand that for the story. Um, 
And when, oh, and Dan was talking about what he heard of the Hookman legend. I kind of looked it up, and actually, this is a fairly recent urban legend. It became popular in the 1950s, and that's about when, you know, American cul car culture started. So teenagers were driving up to make out an inspiration point or whatever. Yeah, I think that's where all this came from. It's just some goofy story that someone told something and... Yeah, to kind of say... Because everyone dr tries to drive off and Mac with a girl at least once in their life. I mean, <laughs> you think of it. Yeah. Kind of as a warning, like, this is sinful, don't do it, or the hook man will get you. Yeah. Th that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's a good story to tell the girls to keep them scared from going off into the middle of the woods alone with a boy, too. Right. Um... Do you, have you ever known anyone that's had a hook for a hand? No, I have not known anyone who's had any type of uh, prosthetic hand or anything like that. No. I've never, I, I don't have any prosthetic hand people in my life either. I, I don't know. I, you know, back in the day, I always used to see, you know, that hook that then like clamped open and closed. Right. How do they do that? They move their muscles or their shoulders or... I don't know what the technology like what's was. What's that attached to? I mean, and I'm talking like back in the day when you could see like cables and pulleys. I mean, nowadays I'm sure it's electronic and amazing. Right, right. Yeah, no, I don't know how that works. We'd have to look that up, I guess. If anyone out there has a hook for a hand, if you could write <laughs> in, let us know how your hand works. Now, not just a regular hook. We know that you could probably just screw that into the end of your bone there. But, you know, <laughs> one of those that opens and closes like a clamp, the ones that scare children, if you could let us know how that works. Screws into your bone. I don't think that's how it works, but okay. Well, like in old piratey days, I'm sure they just went to Home Depot and got a big wall hook and just screwed it in to the end. Because there are so many Home Depots back in piratey days. Not. Well, I mean, not at the small towns, but, you know, the bigger <laughs> villages. <laughs> okay, right. They at least had a Walmart or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, back then it was Kmart. <laughs> yeah, what if, what if pirates shopped at Kmart? That'd well, be cool. No wonder they went out of business because they probably were stealing everything instead of buying it. <laughs> Yeah, Martha Stewart. Damn it! Quit stealing all me booty! <laughs> I went to jail to make a lot of money. Assholes keep stealing it. Put back my signature towels. Anyway. Kmart, is that even around anymore? Or are uh, they fully done? I think it's fully done. There might be one here or there, but... That is weird that Martha Stewart was brought in in their final gasps to try to save them. Well, they had to do something. Didn't work. Anything else? No, that's all I can think of right now. Sorry for not being able to speak English earlier. I just got tongue-tied. and. <laughs> yeah, you were a little off this episode. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's I like... I couldn't figure out if you were awake or what uh, was going on. I'm kind of tired today. I had a rough night's sleep and took a nap, but that didn't seem to help, I guess. No, I think you got too much sleep now or something. That could be because my brain does feel kind of muddy. Well, we record this right live to tape, so you're it stuck with it. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> you're stuck with, with it as the broadcaster, and our listeners are stuck with it as the audience. 
Okay, th- what's the next episode? Uh, season one, episode eight is called Bugs. And it has nothing to do with that cute little rabbit from Looney Tunes. All right, so I'm assuming it's about like Russians and the Cold War and putting electronic devices around Washington, D.C. Right, because Sam and Dean, that's what they go for is real things. And not, you know, supernatural Oh, I guess things. it's probably really about gross little bugs, huh? Probably, yeah. Cool. Well, just a reminder, um, we have a website called coupleofidgets.com. There you can find out everything about us, well, a lot about us, and all of our links to social media are there and our feeds, and we would really appreciate it if you shared that out and got some friends to join you on listening. We have a Facebook group, Armchair Hunters, as well, so... Head on over there and join it. Not too much conversation happening just yet, but who knows? You know, in 20 years in the future, <laughs> when you're listening to this in 2058, it might have a couple hundred people in it. Who knows? You never know. You never know. <laughs> or it might just be a huge flaming pile. <laughs> Towering pant load. <laughs> <laughs> we have to play that one of these episodes. Towering pant load or true talent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Visit the website. Share it out. Join us. Get in touch. That's about it. Until tomorrow. Where we discuss bugs. Have a good day. Bugs. Bye. Oh, I need sugar. <laughs>